Alright, hey guys, welcome. Uh, and if you guys want to grab your seats before we get started, well, um, you know, it's always wonderful to get the opportunity to start a little bit early. That means I get to talk longer. And that's exciting for me, and hopefully for you too. Um, I am—I uh, don't know if you noticed—I am—I am sitting in the—the—the. Uh, the, the, the no, it's not a throne. The eldest elder chair. It's the closest thing we have. The closest thing we have to a throne, and I—if it were a throne, I would not be seated upon it. Aside from the fortune. Yeah, there is that. Uh, but anyway, welcome and say a special welcome to our guests uh, this welcome. morning. Welcome. Yeah, great Joe. Great to have Joe here with us. This is his first core team meeting, um, except for the ones that have been in my house that involve food. Or <laughs> unofficial, but anyway, um, glad you guys are here. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to review a little bit of what we've covered, and then want to begin to talk about strategy. But before we get to that, uh, why don't we uh, bow our heads together and pray and ask for God's guidance as we meet together and, and, um, and study together, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, again, we want to thank you um, for the privilege of being involved in your work of planting a church um, called Redeemer Church in Champaign uh, and Urbana and Savoy, in this area, in this community. God, we're grateful uh, that you've called us, and God, thank you that you've equipped us also for that work. And um, God, our prayers that as we gather together as a core team, that um, our uh, affections would be set upon you and our attention would be fixed uh, upon your word and um, our intention would be uh, to glorify and honor you uh, by doing what it is you called us to do. God, take this time and use it for your glory, for our edification. Um, teach us and prepare us and equip us to lead and launch a church in, the, in this community. And we pray in the name that's above every other name, Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we wanted to review a little bit. So let's talk about vision. We've already talked about that a little bit, right? Anybody know, in general, what the, the Redeemer Church vision is? And it's okay if you don't get it word for word. Pardon me? You're going to cheat and read your notes? Are they pictorial? Like <laughs> they are. My, my wife is a uh, visual learner, so often her notes are pictures, and I think they're actually very, it's fun to decipher her notes. It's like um, hieroglyphics. It's pretty awesome. Who's got it? Keith's already got it, so go ahead, Keith. Because we exist to exalt Christ, we strive to see lives transformed to the glory of God through the proclamation of the gospel. By the power of the Holy Spirit to all people. And just remember that vision it is um, a picture of the uh, of our future. It, it, it's a picture given to us by God of what we are becoming. Okay, so that's vision. How about mission? Someone other than Keith, because I'm sure Keith could just look at the notes that he already has open and give his give the mission. Is there anybody who could do it from memory? Or, I mean, I'm thankful that so many of you take notes. Go ahead, hon. Anybody from memory? When I say hun, I just want to say it's my wife. I do, but... Yeah, you don't count. <laughs> Honey, you got it? Our mission at Redeemer Church is to build a redemptive community of gospel-centered people. And remember, mission is what we're doing now. 
you're doing now to, to work towards the vision. What we do on a daily basis to see the vision come to fruition. That's, that's mission. So there's our, our mission. Okay, and then we had goals and core values. Goals are just that. They're goals of the mission. And core values are those things that are centrally valuable, of central worth to achieving or reaching the goals, which are connected to mission and vision. And what, what, what I want us to see, uh, first of all, we need to be reminded of these things. They are important. They are, uh, in a large part, why we're here. I mean, ultimately, we're here because of Christ. We're ultimately here out of obedience to, to God and uh, His purposes and to bring glory and honor to Him. Um, but as far as planting a church called Redeemer Church and being involved in this activity, vision, mission, goals, core values, those those are important. So we're doing them, um, you know, for those reasons. So goals. Anybody remember what the goals were like? It was something about seeing redemption lived out in various ways, right? So there was you know, seeing it lived out in, in the home, right? What was another one? <clears throat> lived out in the community of believers, right? Okay. In the city. In the city. Proclamation. Proclamation is one of the core values, and proclamation is part of yeah, and, and is is part of that. Yes. So we had in the home, uh, in the community of believers, in the city, in our culture. Sure. Yeah, in the culture, and in the nations, right? And then yeah, because it was already up on the screen. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm trying to help you guys out. <laughs> and then core values. Okay, community. Yeah, right? And proclamation. Proclamation. Yeah, the proclamation was in there. Yeah. Truth. Okay. Love. Transformation. And worship. Right. So those who are, are our core values, those things are of essential worth or central worth to reaching the goals which are part of the mission which is what we do daily to live out the vision. The vision is that God-given direction for our future, what we are becoming as a church. So today we want to talk about strategy. Okay, That's, that's the next step in, in this process. And, and so strategy is what we're going to talk about today. And as you can see, strategy is a plan of action designed to um, achieve particular goals. All right? Um, and at Redeemer, we have a uh, 5P strategy. And I'm going to give you the 5 Ps, but I'm really only going to talk about one of them today. Uh, but I do want to give all five of them to you. Anybody want to take a guess? It's just, you know, like, hmm, pardon me? Okay, proclamation. Oh, oh, look at there. Who said that? Way to go. So proclamation is one of them. And the first one, what else? What else might be part of our strategy that starts with a P? Well, Phil said people, and that's really close to That's them. really close to one of them, yeah. Personal, personal relationships, people. We have personal relationships with people, right? Hope so. Pardon me? Hope so. Hope so. 
No? I just hope so. <laughs> but, yes, we do. <laughs> we just do. <laughs> what else? What else might be part of our strategy? Well, I know one. Well, say it. Okay, that, that is one, but that's not the one that's next on my list. <laughs> How about prayer? Prayer. Prayer is also part of our strategy. It's got to be. And then, and then, uh, presence. Okay. And then planned patience, which is one of the ones that came to. Okay. So today we want to talk about proclamation. Okay, that's the, so the, the, the first of our five tiered strategy is proclamation. So, what do you what do you think proclamation is? How would you define proclamation? You, you do realize that when I ask a question, oh, I am anticipating an answer from the from you all. Proclaiming the word. Proclaiming the word. Can anyone give me a definition of proclamation that doesn't involve the word proclaim? <laughs> Pardon me? Living out, Living out the gospel. Okay. All right. Somebody else? Got something? Preaching or teaching or speaking it. Or Preaching, teaching, or speaking. Yeah. Speaking it out. Okay. The All word right. is the second word sharing your hope. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you, know, that you, you have that is within you. Okay. All right. Well, let me give you some kind of dictionary definitions. Okay. Um, since that's too far away for, for me to read, so I just want to read that. <laughs> to declare publicly, typically insistently, proudly, or defiantly, and in either speech or writing. Okay, and again, these, I'm going to give you sort of three kind of dictionary definitions, but this is to, to make public, right? And often with insistency, and sometimes with defiance, and it's either spoken or written, okay? And then... How about that one? Okay, to say it again. To give outward indication of. Okay, and this kind of gets at that what somebody maybe as you just said, living out the gospel, giving an outward uh, indication of, and then uh, to you know to publicly pray to to praise and glorify publicly. All right, that's also proclamation. Now. What is it that we, what is it that we that we declare publicly, and typically with insistence, and and occasionally with defiance? What is it that we give an outward indication of? What is it that that we praise and glorify uh, publicly? <laughs> what is it? Uh, bacon is definitely on the list. <laughs> It's Christ. Oh yeah. It's Christ. That is what we. That's that's what proclamation is really all about. And now we do that by proclaiming the Word, you know, the the Bible. But but what is who who is the center figure? The central. I don't want to use the word character because it sounds like it's fiction. Who is central in the Bible? What does all of the law and the prophets point to? What, what do all the promises have their yes in? Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. So that is what we proclaim. We proclaim Christ. Um, so, uh, a little exercise. 
Um, I ask three people to each read a particular passage of Scripture. Here's what I'd like for the rest of you to do. I will put the reference up later, but now I just want the rest of us to listen carefully while these three people read a passage, each read a separate passage of Scripture. Keeping in mind we're talking about proclamation. Okay. Go. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I become a servant by the commission of God. By the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept in for ages and generations. <clears throat> but it's not as close as to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of you. We proclaim, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone <clears throat> with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works on me. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all man to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him, that he is actually not far from each one of us. So those are the passages of scripture that they read. Now, what do they have in common? Pardon me? They all proclaim something. They all proclaim something. Okay. Yes. Anyone else want to add something to that about what these what these passages all have in common? Salvation and the way to find it. Okay. So they're they're talking about salvation and where to find it. Somebody else? Something to add? They all three are about proclamation. That's true. All three of those passages of Scripture are about proclamation. The first one. How are the, the Revelation 7 passage? What kind of proclamation is that? Worship. Worship, okay. What's the picture that is painted for us in that passage of Scripture? 
saints before the throne of God. Yeah, the saints before the throne of God. A, a, a multitude that no one could number from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people gathered around the throne and around the Lamb. And their robes are, you know, they're wearing white robes and palm branches. And they say with one voice, one voice, salvation belongs to our God who's on the throne and to the Lamb. And then, you know, whenever they make their declarations of praise, then there are these elders and living creatures all around the throne. And they fall on their faces and they make these declarations of praise, these these uh, declarations of exaltation. Yeah, Keith. You're saying the proclamation of the gospel of the people who brings us to proclamation of worship to God. Pardon me? The proclamation of the gospel led to proclamation of worship to God Yes, but also, I think we can take it a step further. I think we can go another step and say that worship is proclamation. Worship is proclamation. Well, actually, we're going to get to that a little bit. Now, how about that? Uh, the the second passage, the Colossians one passage that Joe read. What kind of proclamation? What form of proclamation do you see there? I mean, definitely. Paul says, we proclaim him, okay, but, and the him there is Jesus, but to what end? So that everyone might be presented mature in Christ. We, you know, we proclaim him teaching and admonishing everyone with all wisdom so that everyone might be presented mature in Christ. I think that's a picture of discipleship, right? Isn't that discipleship? It isn't that, you know, isn't that from our perspective, it's discipleship. Obviously, from God's perspective, it's sanctification, okay? And sanctification is God's work in that process of presenting everyone mature in Christ. And discipleship is, you know, the things that we do in that process. It's still God doing it, we participate, but it's proclamation, discipleship as proclamation, Okay, and then how about that third passage? That was evangelism. Yeah, the Acts, the Acts 17, Paul on Mars Hill for the Areopagus, and you know, I just one of my all-time favorite passages. You know, when yeah. he's like. You know, men of Athens, I see in every way you're very religious. And I, when observing your objects of worship, I noticed this uh, altar to the unknown God. Well, what you, you know, worship is unknown. I proclaim to you today. You know, and then he begins to, <clears throat> to proclaim Christ to them. You know, salvation and where to find it. Uh, how, you know, where it is found in Christ and in, in Him alone, that's evangelism. Yeah. So all, all of these, or all three of these passages of Scripture, are examples of proclamation. Now, you know, I'm, I am not uh, suggesting that this morning I'm going to exhaust the topic of proclamation. Um, what, what we are going to do, though, or what, I'm gonna, what I hope to do, is uh, introduce proclamation to you in, in, in these three forms. And, you know, the first is worship. It is important for us to understand that worship is proclamation. Um, one of my favorite authors, John Piper, what a surprise, in, in, in the book, Let the Nations Be Glad, and I think Chet's quoted this, I don't know if he's quoted it here or at Community Group or both, 
but I think it's like the third sentence of the book is missions exists because worship doesn't. You know, the first the first sentence of the book is missions is not you know the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship does not. You know, worship is proclamation. The the words that are stuck in my head from early this morning are from a well-known hymn. Actually, I changed them a little bit. So my alteration of those words has <laughs> been stuck in my head all morning. If anyone has been on Facebook already this morning, then you already know <laughs> what words are stuck in my head. But our sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. Our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Man, when we gather together and make that kind of declaration of praise, when we join our voices together in worship and don't don't get the idea that that worship is only when we sing songs together, you know, hopefully hopefully every one of you knows me better than that and knows that that's not what I am suggesting, okay? But but yet that is an aspect of our worship when we gather together and sing. And, man, when we join our voices and our hearts in songs like that, that's proclamation. Man, our sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. And we bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Um, man, uh, worship is, as proclamation involves declarations of praise. Making declarations of praise like that that the last line of that that verse of the song it is well with my soul praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul um, and the Revelation seven passage bears this out we see lots of 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 declarations of praise um, both by the saints gathered around the throne those those that great multitude that no one can number of every tribe, tongue, nation, people gathered around the throne with their white robes and their palm branches saying salvation belongs to our God. That is a declaration of praise. That That, that is proclamation. And then the angels and the elders and the four living creatures falling on their faces before the throne of God. And, and giving you know giving glory and honor and praise and adoration and thanksgiving and and on and on to to God before the throne. Man, that's just just talking about that, reading that passage of scripture, talking about that passage of scripture, and 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 investigating and thinking about worship as proclamation. Man, it makes me kind of excited. So instead of maybe you know maybe instead of being a uh, a, a catechistic keyboard cowboy or a or a a, 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 a doctrinal dogfighter, I'm a proclamational porcupine. I don't know. I was, I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm a stretch. Exactly. Don't don't come near me. Okay. <laughs> She's got to work on the illustrations a little more, man. Yeah, I know. I just why I got very good at alliterations. Well, hopefully the point, hopefully it sticks to the person. Yeah. Hopefully I've made my point. Oh. 
when I did it. I groaned. I groaned. It was it was it was groan worthy. Also, words of exaltation. That's also worship as proclamation, or proclamation as worship. I mean, I struggle with what order to put those words because worship is proclamation. And so, words of exaltation. But then, um, also, there's our posture of submission. Um, that also proclaims something. That's also that making something evident. Okay? The, the, the second of the three definitions, dictionary definitions of proclamation. You know, the outward expression of something. Judy, Judy kind of talked about it in the terms of uh, living out the gospel, you know, uh, our posture of submission proclaims something about about Christ and and who He is. Um, and then also, and, and this maybe isn't necessarily seen in the Revelation passage, but it is borne out throughout the Scriptures that also giving, the sharing of our resources, giving is an act of worship. And it proclaims something. Does anybody know uh, off the top of your head in some type of paraphrased form what God says about tithing and giving in Malachi? Yes, Keith. Just test me in this to see if I don't pour out the riches of money. Right. Pour out riches. Test me in this and see if I do not open the windows of heaven and pour down blessing upon you and, and, and keep away um, the oh, destroyer. the destroyer. Yeah. Okay? So, in, in this area of giving, in this area of tithing, God says, test me in this. So, when we are faithful to give, what are we proclaiming? That, that He's worthy of our trust, that He passes the test. We're proclaiming that he passes the test when he says, test me in this. That we trust him, we take him at his word, that, and ultimately, that it's all his. We declare, when we give as an act of worship, we are proclaiming God's wealth. That's what we do. Um, and, and his provision. And then ultimately... Ultimately, we're also proclaiming where our heart is and who's worthy of it. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if our treasure, and you know, in this instance our treasure is, you know, moolah, our Monet. <laughs> Sorry, a little inside joke. Our 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 finances, our money, our our stuff. That's you know that's our treasure. Then uh, I'll explain the joke later. I'm sorry, that was bad. Um, oh, although for all of those who are listening via uh, the internet later, they'll just have to ask me about it. Um, that you know if if that's if we're giving that. That's where our treasure's going. Our heart's going to follow. It's going to belong to God. And we're proclaiming that He's worthy of that. Okay, so giving is also, you know, proclamation as an act of worship. Okay, and then, finally, the practice.
list of ordinances. Do you, do you see how and, and how those things are acts of worship and acts of proclamation at the same time? What are, what are the ordinances that that we observe? Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Very good. How is baptisms, baptism, proclamation? Okay, it's an outward profession or proclamation of faith. And it, and, it, and it says something about us, but it also says something about, about Christ, right? It, it, it actually says something about, you know, what he's done. Correct? Did, did we see that? Y'all see how baptism is proclaiming Christ? And then, how about the Lord's Supper? It's the same. I mean, we do it. He said, do this to remember me and to proclaim my, or whatever. You know. Yeah, the Lord's death until he comes. Yes, exactly. exactly. Phyllis, that's exactly right. Um, I get excited when you know people out there give the right answer. <laughs> Steal my thunder. I, 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 I like it. Um, you're, Phyllis, you're absolutely right. It, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, when we eat the bread and drink the cup, we're saying, Christ has died. You know, he, he, has, he has sacrificed His body and His blood for the remission of sins. You know, He, he, he is Lord. We're proclaiming His death. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together as an act of worship, we are making that proclamation. And then here's something that I think is really important, extremely important for us to understand. This proclamation as worship, it's eternal. It doesn't end. It's not like, you know, we only have to worry about this while we're here on earth. Again, the Revelation 7 passage makes it pretty clear that proclamation goes on. Especially, you know, worship, proclamation in the form of worship. I mean, it's true that there will be a day when evangelism will cease. Okay? There will eventually be a time when we'll no longer evangelize. Because there will be a time... Depending on your definition. I mean, if yeah, true. It's simply... Evangelism and exactly. the sharing of the good news. Right. Even right. when people know we're still going to be sharing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you're right. In order to achieve yeah. someone else's salvation. Yeah. yeah. Proclaiming Christ, the gospel, verb, the verbal witness <laughs> with the goal of, of bringing someone, leading someone, pointing someone to Christ so that they might be saved, that will cease because there'll be a day when it'll just be, you know. Christians around, believers, when you know, around the throne, when we when we are part of that multitude that no one can count from every you know tribe, tongue, nation, and people, then there there'll be no need to go witnessing in the in the traditional sense, okay? But we'll still bear witness, no doubt. Um, but this this proclamation is eternal; it goes on. We we read about it and see it in heaven. Um, And that's just, there's no, that's why proclamation is part of our strategy. That's why proclamation and worship 
our our core values. It's because, and, and that is why our goal, um, our goals and mission, so much center around proclamation. You know, seeing redemption lived out in the city, you know, in the culture, uh, in the home, uh, in the nations. Though proclamation is inherent in in, in all of those. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next one. <clears throat> Which, I think it's discipleship. Yeah, discipleship's proclamation. Okay? Alright? And the Colossians 1 passage is the one that... that and, and again, these three passages of Scripture are not the only places in, in, in the Scripture where we see proclamation in these forms. But it's the one that I picked. Um, what did he say? Well, we proclaim him through what? Teaching. Okay? All right, and teaching what? Teaching the truth, teaching the gospel, teaching the word of God. Okay, all right. So that's so when he says teaching, that that's what he's talking about. You know, when Paul says we proclaim Christ, you know, teaching and admonishing everyone with all wisdom. So that we might present all or everyone mature in Christ. Uh, that's what he's talking about. Teaching the Word. Um, and so that's why the teaching of the Word is going to be central to what we do um, at Redeemer. Um, it has to be. Um, doesn't it? I mean, do you do, do all agree that the teaching of the Word has to be central to what we do at Redeemer? I mean... We, we of, of course, of course, there is and must be play, a place for us to apply the word and, and, and do some things in response to the word, okay? But actually, that's, that's part of teaching, because if we've taught well, okay, then we know that the word is living and active, all right. It means it does something. It's not just a word to be known, but a word to be lived, because it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay, you know, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, judging the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Um, so teaching, considering, and the the word teaching the word is going to be central. But then it also uses this word admonish or admonition. What's admonition? Now, what you put in your gun? You know. Okay, warning. Could be a rebuke or an exhortation, but it could also be encouragement. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to suggest these aspects of admonition. Exhortation. Okay, and you used that word already. Exhortation. Um, you know what? You know what an exhortation is. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna demonstrate you, to you an exhortation. This is when I was in high school. I ran cross country. I know that's hard to believe, but I did. But I had a way smaller stomach and a lot better knees back then. And um, and I remember my freshman year going after cross country. Freshman year high school going after cross country. I was five one, weighed 101 pounds. I was, I was like this little bitty guy. And, uh, man, the cross-country coach was this big guy. He's probably 6'2", 6'3". So he was tall and pretty broad. You know, he just big shoulders, 
big guy. He's just an all-around big guy. And he had this big, bushy beard, kind of long, longish hair. And he was very bearish. I mean, he reminded me of a bear. And, uh, but when he got excited, he had this really high-pitched voice. And he himself had been a track star in high school. And he actually set the state record for the high hurdles. And somewhere along the way, he bit the end of his tongue off in a hurdle race. He's running the hurdles, came down, and just kind of just bit the very tip of his tongue off. So he had a slight speech impediment because of the tongue. You know, he didn't have the tip of his tongue, so it's just a, you know, just, just a slight speech impediment. I remember my very first race, you know, three-mile race, cross-country. I was starting to hit the wall, and all of a sudden I hear my bearish coach with a speech impediment and a high-pitched voice going, oh, by the way, I just need to tell you that my nickname was Smitty. Call me Smitty. Come on, Smitty! Come on! Stwire! Stwire! Go now! Be strong! You can do it, Smitty! Come on! <laughs> I know! I know! Isn't that hilarious? But that's exhortation! Now, after I got over the shock of that and stopped laughing, I got accustomed to hearing that voice telling me that I could do it to stride out, to be strong, to go. And that moved me. That moved me. Um, and that's what exhortation is all about. It's supposed to move us. It's stirring one another on to love and good deeds. You know, it's, it's encouraging one another uh, to, to, to be a people zealous for good works. Now that's that's what I did. Was that scary? Actually, was that scary to Layden and Caleb? Wow. Apparently not. Okay, apparently not. That's all. Okay, then also, I think part of admonition is accountability. You know, Caleb, you said that in, in uh, your uh, translation of the scripture, it says warning, right? Instead of admonition or admonition, it says warning. Isn't that what accountability is? Isn't it warning one another? It's, it's warning one another about sin, about disobedience. And that's so, I mean, accountability is part of um, admonition. Okay, but then also I think modeling. Okay? And, and I, you know, I, I don't mean that in the runway sense. <laughs> but I mean in the example sense. You know, one way that I exhort, that I... Um, encourage that I um, <clears throat> dem demonstrate. Well, that's just the word I use. The word demonstrate. I live it out. I model it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm using I there, the first person singular pronoun, not because I'm the best at it. <laughs> um, I, I definitely could use and should use the we. We, as we as we talk about and live out and practice proclamation as discipleship, we, we need to model that. We need to model what it means to be a follower of Christ. Live that out. Uh, give an outward demonstration or expression of what is true. Living out the gospel, as, as Judy said it earlier. That is what... Discipleship or proclamation is key. You had a oh, we see that in Paul talking to Timothy. Says what you've seen, me teach and say and do the present thing. This is you also. Yeah, yeah, right. <clears throat> okay, and then relationships or relationship. That's all of this takes place 
in relationship. And I think that, again, is part of what Paul was saying when he says, we proclaim him and admonish teaching everyone. He recognizes that <clears throat> he has a relationship with people. I don't know how my coach did that. It makes my throat kind of sore. I don't know that whole high-pitched exhortation. All right, discipleship as proclamation. Now, uh, I want us to think also about um, evangelism. Or, you know, evangelism and proclamation. Proclamation as evangelism. Evangelism as proclamation. Proclamation as evangelism is probably the better way to word that. Again, I feel like I struggle with how to put that because they're so intertwined. And and then I, I want to go ahead and pause here because this is something I think Chet has already kind of alluded to. And that is, I am making some distinctions today, but they are distinctions of perspective. Okay? I want us to see how broad proclamation is, but these things are all intertwined. Proclamation is simply proclamation. Okay? It, it, it is declaring publicly Christ. It is giving external evidence of Christ. It is giving praise and glorifying in a public way Christ. But when we do that, it's worship. And when we do that, it's discipleship. And when we do that, it is evangelism. You know, for example, I, I referenced that one line or one verse, not one line, but one verse from It Is Well With My Soul. When we gather together for corporate worship and we, with one voice and hearts that are full and our affections set on Christ, sing, passionately sing that song, the unbeliever in our midst, that's evangelism. It, 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 it is evangelistic when that happens. But, and, and so I want us to see that those are, I mean, those are related. Again, I well, let's go back to the John Piper quote from Let the Nations Be Glad. He's, he, he's recognizing and asserting that um, worship is inherently evangelistic. It is inherently missional. Okay, because he says missions exist because worship does not. In other words, man, if everybody just worshipped, and then in parentheses or in brackets, that he he didn't put this there, but it's implied if everyone if if, if we all worship as we should, as we ought, it wouldn't be. We wouldn't have shared Jesus without fear. We wouldn't have that book, you know. We we, we wouldn't have you know evangelism explosion or faith training or just pick any evangelistic program or a tool or whatever, you know, because if we just live that life of worship, that would be, you know, uh, that would be our our witness, we, and it would just overflow and be compelled. In this context, I'm going to talk about the, the verbal witness first, because that is part of, and when we talk about evangelism, again, in evangelism, in, in this context, is is proclaiming Christ to the unbeliever that they might repent and believe and be saved. That's what we're talking about when we talk about evangelism. And um, a big part of that is the verbal witness. This is pretty clear. It's it's simply, you know, a gospel presentation. It's, it's telling someone about, you know, creation, 
and fall and, and redemption. You know, it, it, it's about sin, separation from God, Christ's work, and repentance and faith. That, how someone can enter into a relationship with Christ and, and be right with God. The gospel presentation. That's part of a verbal witness. But also, we, we want to um, remember that you know the, the apologetic is also a form of the verbal witness. When I say apologetics, what am I what am I referring to? Defending the faith in a reasonable manner, right? In a reason in a reasonable way, defending the faith against those who would be skeptics or would be attacking it, right? Okay, um, and then testimony. That 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 in that is a verbal form of a verbal witness when we tell someone else about what Christ has done in us, how how He has redeemed us, made us His own, and how He continues to to. Uh, be at work in our lives, making us look more and more like His own. That sanctification, uh, discipleship. Yeah. Okay. And then the lifestyle witness. And you know these are these are together. You know we we proclaim through our actions as much as through our words. Uh, <laughs> I remember when uh, the boys were small and. And um, sometimes children go through a very talkative age where they just talk a whole lot. Um, and you're smiling, Bill, Polly. <laughs> you know, well, they just want to tell you everything. Man, you love them and you listen. But sometimes you think, well, I can probably listen, but just still also do something else while I'm listening. Remember James and Sandy both saying, Dad, you're not listening. Yes, I am. I'm listening. Listen with your face. <laughs> you know? Just, or they just grab my face and turn it to them. So I would look at them. Because our actions <clears throat> proclaim something. And when my children saw me reading something while they were talking to me, what did that? What did I proclaim? I proclaimed I wasn't really listening, and my and they needed the action of my face turned toward them, for them to be assured that I was listening. We proclaim something by our actions, what we do, how we live, and so yes, there's got to be a verbal witness, but there needs to be a consistent lifestyle witness, and you know that happens through a life of holiness, okay? Also, um, a life of devotion and. Is the next one obedience? It is. Yeah. And and a life of obedience. Those things are components of our lifestyle worship. So we've talked about proclamation, given a little bit of a definition. And um, we have also uh, looked at some passages of Scripture that give us, that introduce um, proclamation to us in at least three different forms. You know, proclamation in the form of worship, proclamation in the form of discipleship, proclamation in the form of evangelism. Okay, 
that that's Paul uh, in Acts 17, you know, on Mars Hill. That's the that's the picture of that. The Colossians one passage is the picture of you know discipleship. Uh, proclamation is discipleship, and then of course the Revelation 7. And again, these aren't the only passages of scripture that that give us these perspectives on proclamation. But still, you know. I have I've presented perspectives or forms, but proclamation is still simply proclamation. What I'd like for us to do now, in the few minutes that we have left, I think it would be really good for us to spend some time praying together um, in small groups concerning our proclamation. And our proclamation is worship. Our proclamation in the form of discipleship and our proclamation in the form of evangelism. And I think, and I'm going to encourage you to pray about those things um, in, in some small groups and both personally and us as a, as a church. Okay? So, what is there? Three, six, nine, there's, is there 12 of us? I, can, I counted him on that couch. Is that right? Did I, am I correct? There are 12 adults. Okay. Alright, so that seems to me that four groups of three would be great. So, uh, we're you praying back <laughs> Essentially. But you know, I don't understand. You might, you, some people might want to change it up a little bit. I don't know. It's entirely up to you. So, can we get into groups of th- threes? Can we get into groups of threes now? Okay. Looks like we're praying back out. <laughs> Okay, so remember, just one of the last bit of instruction. Um, the prayer is we're, we're praying specifically about proclamation, both on a personal level, but also us as a community of faith, and proclamation as worship, proclamation as discipleship, proclamation as evangelism. Okay? So let's just spend about. No, I don't know how long we need. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs>